Thank you for connecting to this podcast from Faith Renewed Outreach Center. We hope that it's an encouragement to you today. For more information, check us out online at faithrenewed.org. Uh, and I know we've been worshiping and fellowshipping and celebrating all this good stuff. I want to get some word in you today, so take your Bible, go to Acts chapter 5. Whew, that's a lot I just said in one breath. Acts chapter 5. We're going to do today the impossible. The Bible says that with God all things are possible. So today we're going to do this. We're going to go through chapter 5, 6, and 7. I hope you all brought a lunch. <laughs> no, it's not going to be that long. <clears throat> We've been hanging out in uh, chapter 5 for a while. We're just going to finish 5, 6, 7, trying to get back on the track with some things. But uh, I believe today, just, I believe God's going to speak to you. So uh, get that in your heart. Chapter 5, uh, you can just hold your finger there. And um, let's just pray one more time. We'll, we'll, we'll start digging into it a little bit. Father, thank you for, your, uh, for again, what you're doing here. And it's just literally, it's hard to explain to others, God, what you're doing here, God. But, Lord, we thank you for what we're experiencing, God. And we thank you, Lord, that your word settles and solidifies in our hearts everything that we're seeing happen in the natural and the spirit, God. So we're just thankful for it. Let your word today come alive in each of us. Um, we thank you, Lord, that you're unstoppable. And uh, God, as a result, God, so are we. And Lord, we're just thankful for everything that you're uh, doing in our church. You get glory for every bit of it. You get glory for everything that's happening, for every life that's changing, for every heart that's being drawn to you, every chain that's falling off. God, you get glory for it all. And we just continue to celebrate and ask for more in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We're in a series called 29. And um, I love what somebody said. They said, this is not a series, man. This is a movement. And I'm like, so cool. I love that. I love that thought and that concept. And we believe it is. This is going to go way past uh, just when this series is over and done. There's going to be some things that if God has set in motion. So uh, keep using the hashtag I am 29 if you post and things. I love looking back and reading over some of those. So continue to use that if you're a social media person. Um, but we're seeing this is, if you haven't been with us, this is a study of the book of Acts. And uh, this is where the church was set up and established and structured and put in motion. And so we see it's it's just, again, a beautiful picture of what happens where Jesus does this. He comes to this earth, gets on a cross, and dies in our place for our sin. And then he does this. He challenges the people, the disciples that he has embraced and poured himself into to now go out and change the world and share the message by what he's done. And so it's kind of neat. I, I read a little, you know, I guess maybe, I don't know if it's humorous or just a story of the day. Somebody kind of put this in an interesting perspective. They said it was a story of Jesus. He gets, to, he gets to heaven and he has a conversation with Gabriel. And he said, man, tell us what all happened. And he begins to tell him everything that took place. And he says, now, well, what are you going to do now that you're here? What are you going to do? He said, I've, I've already given them the message. I've told them what to do, and they're going to take it out and change the world. And he says, well, what, what are you going to do? What, what if they don't step up? What's your plan B? And he said, I don't have one. And I was like, that's pretty cool. That's an interesting little way to think about this. He has a plan in motion. He has a world that he's going to change. He came to give his life, and then he's called us to share that. So uh, today, as we dig in and begin to just look at all these things, we found the church, again, being set up, being empowered, being established. We stopped off last time where we saw that it, once again, these guys were being, uh, had been arrested for sharing the message of Jesus, uh, been persecuted for what they were doing. We see this in chapter 5, that an angel comes by, uh, unlocks the doors for them. They go out into the streets, and they don't run you know, like some people might would if they get set free and get out of a situation, they go out and start causing more trouble for Jesus. 
and um, call, start stirring up more stuff, and I love this. So um, we're going to pick up today, going to kind of pick up at that story where that's happening. And uh, Acts chapter 5, verse 22 is where we'll pick up, and it says this. It says, but when the officers came and did not find them in the prison, they returned and reported, saying, now remember, remember the story. The angels come and let them out. These guys are out preaching and sharing Jesus and sharing the gospel. And they go back and report what's, what's, being, what's being seen here. It says, Indeed, we found the prison shut securely and the guards standing outside before the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Can't you see that? Is that not a trip? I mean, I just, you know, soldiers right there doing their thing, think everything's under control. Then when the big wigs come around, we got this, I open the doors, walk in, and nobody's there. I mean, you know, and they've got to explain this, and they're looking at this situation. And so, I mean, found no one inside. Now, the, now verse 24, now when the high priest, the captain of the temple, and then the chief priest heard these things, they wondered what uh, the outcome would be. So one came and told them, saying, look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain went with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should be stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? But they know something. They know there's power in the name of Jesus. They understand that. So if, whenever we get to the place where we understand how much power is in that name, we'll never quit saying it. We'll never quit calling upon it. We'll never quit singing it. They will never quit declaring that name. They knew what was in that. And they said, we told you not to teach in this name. And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and indeed to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Come on, man. That's point one today. That's just, I'm going to give you four things. So point one is this. We ought to obey God. Now listen, we, this is just so cool. He literally says this. We have to come to a place where we obey God, not man. Remember, these guys have been arrested, released, arrested again, released again, and they didn't get quieter. They got louder. They got bolder. They, they, they begin to, be even more so, begin to come together and unite this city. And the, even so much so, it put the natural people who were trying to keep this thing under wraps, it put them in fear. They had so much where the first time they kind of grabbed them and it says they laid hands on them and they got crazy. The, this next time, they were causing such a ruckus that they were scared to go in and cause so much grief the same way they did last time, that this time, Jay said, they kind of put their hand around them, and it says they kind of led them out quietly. Hey, guys, can we talk to you for a minute? <laughs> Come over here, Jay. And then they get over there and say, that whole Jesus thing again, you don't, didn't we tell you to stop? And he does this. He said, we're going to obey God, not man. The church today that God's raising up here is this. We're going to obey God, not man. Now, listen, I, I, I love the picture of what we see here. And I, and I think, again, this is not some kind of radical rebellion against one thing. But it is a radical, I think, a reformation and a, and a, and a group that's coming together and is radical for one thing, and that's Jesus. And, and they come together, and we see this. And we have to come to the place in our minds where we understand in our hearts that we're here to please one, and that's God. 
Now, again, you have to come to where you understand your love for him and your love for others. And if we see this and we come to this place, it's a beautiful thing. And it's difficult. This is difficult. This is one of the hardest things that you have to do is come to a place in your life where you're going to no longer be, be concerned about the opinion of man, but you're going to be more concerned about the opinion of what God thinks about you. And so we're seeing this theme begin to be uh, just poured out in this, in this church. And so he says this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4. It says this, But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts have to come to the place where we say, God, I want to please you above everything else. I want to please you more than anything else. And this is so radical in our thinking and our natural mindset. Every way right now, the world's trying to shape you. They're trying to shape you. They're trying to get you to conform to their pattern. They're trying to get you to conform to their thinking in every way that they can. They're, they're just, in, I mean, totally in every way they can right now, bombarding your students, your children. They're bombarding us with media in every way that they can to get you to embrace their mindset and their thinking. But you have to come to a place where we say, God, I want to please you. And I love some. This is written in the early 1800s on that verse by Albert Barnes. And it says this. It says, the meaning of the apostles is that he did not aim to teach such doctrines at doctrines as would flatter men as would win their applause now there's and this is the this is the pressure that we have we get placed in sometimes as a church as pastors as ministers of gospels as you who are called to share this truth you get sometimes put in the position and place to seek the applause of men I love what is being said here. It says this, that, um, uh, that, that as they would win their applause or as would gratify their passions or their fancy. We are not to suppose that he desired to offend men. That's never should be our goal. I think sometimes it's easy to do this to where we can get so radical and people jump on board certain things and, and you can just see it. Somebody puts something out there and you'll see somebody rally around it and then their goal is this, almost so much so that they begin to offend the other and that becomes the goal. Our goal is never to offend. Our goal is to do this, to set them free by Jesus' love and grace the way he set us free. So again, he does this here. So he says it again, not to offend men or that he regard their esteem as of no value or that he was indifferent whether they were pleased or displeased, but that it was not the direct object of his preaching to please them. It was to declare the truth. Man. It was to declare the truth and to obtain the approbation of God, whatever men might think of it. Whatever men might think of it. And, and that's what we have to come to the place where we're going to say, God, I'm going to obey you. I'm going to trust you. And again, everything in our flesh nature, it literally craves the applause of men. It just does. I mean, just, I don't care who you are. It feels good when you get recognition, when you get applause, when you get appreciated, all those things. And again, honor is one deal. We love and we give honor where it's due. But again, somewhere in us, there is this craving in our natural man to seek the applause of man. But you have to come and we're there and we're going there even deeper to where we say this, God, I want to please you more than anything else. God, I'm hungry to please you. So we see this, this first beautiful picture. First thing that we must do is this. We obey God, not man. The second thing we see in chapter 5, pick up in verse 38. I've told you we're going to go through some stuff today. Three chapters. Get ready, get ready, get ready. <clears throat> chapter 5, verse 38, we see something else begin to pick up here. We see this just totally, again, this chaotic situation begin to unfold. We see them preaching the gospel. They go and get the disciples, kind of pull them off to the side, say, dude, we need to talk about this. 
And then they come, and in verse 38, they're trying to figure out, man, what they're going to do. They're trying to figure out how to take these guys out. And a guy named Gamaliel uh, stands up and gives these guys some counsel. He's a part of the group here who's out to persecute the believers. And he, he stands up, and in verse 38, he says something. He said, now I say to you, keep away from these men. Let them alone. For if this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. Verse 39 says this, But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. Second thing today that we're doing and God's calling us into, we can't be stopped. I'm serious, man. I mean, there's a shift that's been happening in in us, and and it's it's a great thing. Sometimes you just kind of like praying for it to get started. That's your prayer. God, start something. And you're like trying to get momentum rolling, man. You're just like leaning forward, hoping it just kind of takes off. I mean, come on, God, start something. And I mean, and uh, but I'm at a different place now, and I believe you are as well. Many of you are grabbing on. You're not asking God to start something in you. You just at a place now where you say, I know whatever He started, it can't be stopped. Whatever you began in us, you're going to see it faithful through, and you're going to complete it to the very end. And so it's just going to be, again, a great picture of going into next Sunday's message on an unstoppable God. And as we enter into this place, we're coming to a place in our hearts and lives where it can't be stopped. And you've got to start seeing your situation this way. Isaiah 54, 17 says this, that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. No weapon. I mean, so he didn't say that things wouldn't be brought against you. He just said this, it ain't going to prosper. So again, we see this come against us. He said that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. In every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the service of the Lord. And their righteousness is from me, says who? The Lord. He said this. He spoke this thing, and he has gotten this started. He's began this shift and this movement in our hearts and lives. And nothing's going to stop this. I mean, this, I'm telling you, God's the word. And so we have to make the decision to do this. Become a part of it. Or step aside. And that's tough. Now, again, there's, we don't, again, I get put in position. Am I going to see the applause of men or God? God's saying this to us. He's saying step in, become a part of what he's doing. And if we embrace this, if we become a part of this thing, he says this, that the gates of hell themselves cannot stop the move of God that he's bringing forth in this day. Nothing is going to stop what God's doing in our hearts and our lives. Nothing is going to in any way stop this. And, and this is where we're going to get to. This is tough. Skip on down to verse 41. This was their mindset. And this is, I mean, for me, the toughest and very possibly for you. This is what they see happening here. It says in verse 41, it says, So they departed from the presence of the council. Speaking of the disciples. They departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. I don't know about you. This is one of those that just is not fun. This is just, I mean, no way. But I'm, I'm asking God to help us get there. He says things in Scripture like, count it all joy when you fall into trials. I mean, count it all joy when you get persecuted. I mean, there's things that are happening that we see, and it's just, just tough for us to get to. But this is the Holy Spirit at work. And so you come to a place in your life where literally you were going to come to some moment in time where he says this, they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing. I want to rejoice when everything's good. I mean, Holy Spirit stuff's awesome. People get fi- chains, break. 
free. I'm, I, I, that, yes. Glory. Yeah. Count it a joy that we're suffering. Suffering for his name. And you know how you can do that? This is how you can do it. And this is what, this is what God made so clear. This is how you, you can rejoice in it. Because you know regardless of it, you won't be stopped. That's the only way. That's the only way we can ever get to the place where we embrace it because we know it won't stop us. Where what you come to a moment in time where you realize that you see this thing hitting you so hard, you're like, man, this thing, this push on me is getting ready to send me and propel me into such greater measure and such greater power and greater experience in God that I've never seen before. So you got to come this moment and say this, nothing's going to stop us now. <laughs> Nothing. Only 80s people understood that song. <coughs> Only 80s people. And I sung that underneath the anointing. That was what that was. It was a breaking change. We rejoice in it. We rejoice in it. We rejoice in it. Get your hearts right. Y'all should have applauded that. That was a good thing. Live streamers right now, they're pulling over the side of the road going, Yes! <coughs> chapter 6. I told you we could do this. Chapter 6. We see here in chapter 6 this thing exploding. And we briefly said something about this last Sunday. We see in chapter 6 this thing exploding. It's growing. And it's, it's, I mean, this truly people are being brought in and hearts and lives are being changed. And, and there are some difficult situations that are getting brought in. That's what's cool. And that's what I love about this church. There's some difficult situations that are being brought into this place. And that's what we want. But you know what we got to do when they get here? We got to know how to love them. We got to know how to embrace them. We got to know how to disciple them and teach them and show them Jesus. And so we see in chapter 6 this picture begin to happen. And uh, I just, I, I'm not even going to read chapter 6, but you just see what happens here. You see them begin to put into place. The leadership, you can begin to see them put into place teams and they begin to do this so that they can meet the need of each one who comes in. And that's how this is supposed to be. The enemy would love in every way that he can to get you to come in for just a brief moment and then something happened, a shift or a shake-up to happen in your life. Something happened to where maybe it, it just maybe a certain need don't get met that you have and then try to get you out the door. That's his goal. As he's trying to cause you, he calls a vision, separation. And then he's trying to remove you from, the, from what God's doing here. But you see this here, this beautiful picture where they come together and they begin to embrace and begin to form teams and ministry and leaders, put these things in place, and they begin to change the world through it. And this is the third point today is this, that we need you. We need you. I, I, you may think he brought you here to just kind of hang out. You may have thought that. That's not why you're here. It's not why you're here. It's part of it. He, you might have just thought he brought you here because, hey, man, so-and-so, my buddy, my neighbor, they invited me or whatever, saw some post on Facebook. Came. Just gonna come. No. There's more than that. There's more than that. It's greater than that. And, and here's what you have to understand is this, that we need you. And so this is what I'm asking you to do. Get involved in some area of this church. What's pastor trying to do? Get you involved in some area in this church. That's what I'm trying to do. I mean, somebody's always thinking, man, he's up to something. Yeah, I'm up to something. I'm trying to get you involved in some area of this church. Because here it is. Service is the root to significance. 
It is, the, it is the thing to where you understand. I've seen people do this. I've seen good, godly people that love Jesus come into a church, and they come in, and they do this. They're faithful in attendance. They show up every week. I mean, this is, I'm like, many folks, they come, they're faithful. They give. They, they, they support the work of the ministry here. They believe in what we're doing, and they come in, and they're, they're, it's just awesome. I'm like, man, these cool people, man. They're giving, they're showing up. That's a blessing. Come on. But they never get in the area, and they don't serve anywhere. And something happens. They don't get, they don't get connected, and there's some shift or shakeup happens, and they move on. That's not the plan. Because here's the truth. I, I, I truly believe this, that we're never more like Jesus than when we serve. He said it himself. I didn't even come to be served. I came to serve. And, and, he, and, to, and he gave his life as a ransom for us. And so I want to encourage you, some area, some way, there's a lot of ministries that you can get plugged into. There's ministries that are developing. There are ministries that are happening. There are different things. There are things in here that have yet to be developed because, again, God's put it in your heart. But listen, you have to do this. You have to say, God, I want to serve you. I want to be a part of this thing that you're doing. I want to just come in and let you use me. I want to be a part of this team. So do this. You can find the information in the hospitality center. We've got a Get Connected form. You can go on our website. There's all the information there to get involved with who those leaders are. Become a part of this thing. And if we do this, again, if you become a part of this thing, I truly believe this, there'll be something satisfied in you that's been lacking. There is. I, I mean, I've, I've experienced it in my life before God called us into the ministry. I've, I've sat in and been faithful, but it wasn't truly until I stepped in. Stepped in. And, I mean, the very, one of the very first things that I remember doing for God was this. They asked me to teach a junior high Sunday school class. Amen. Nobody wanted that, dude. Nobody wanted a junior high Sunday school class, man. I mean, I mean, and I was just young enough and dumb enough to say, okay. I mean, and so I, and it, it was this. It was when I stepped in, I went, oh, my goodness. What have I been missing out on? And I had the opportunity just to hang out with some kids, man, more messed up than me. I mean, but I started just sharing, just talking, talking about Jesus and uh, speaking to these guys and just relationships began to form. And I started seeing something here. I said, wait a minute, man, I want to give my life to this. You never know what God's going to do in you. You never know. And, and what, what, I, what I love and what God's raising up, we, we're grabbing this. For so long, the church has painted a picture. If you didn't have a title, you wasn't a minister. You're a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God's put a calling upon your life to serve where he's placed you, to do what he's called you to do. And so we have to do this. We have to come to the place to where we say yes to this. We say yes. And then when we do, verse 7 happens. It says this, that then the word of God spread. This is how it happens. This is how the word of God spreads. This is because there wasn't no plan B because he didn't need one. Because the word of God was going to spread. And it spread when they did this. It said the word of God spread and the number of the disciples multiplied. That's where I'm getting to. I want, I want to see multiplication. That's not hard. To where it's no longer just addition or subtraction. But we see multiplication happening in this. And that happens when we all say yes. And, and they, they, it multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. The priest even got saved. 
You know revival's breaking out, man, when the pastors are getting saved, man. I mean, it's a, it is just, uh, I mean, a beautiful, beautiful thing that we see here in Scripture. This is just crazy. And then we just see this just breakout and this multiplication begin to happen. We pick up in verse, uh, in verse 8 of chapter, uh, chapter 6. Let's pick up in verse 8. It says this, And then Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Did great wonders among the people. Look what happened. He's one of the guys that have been appointed, put in position and place. And these great signs and wonders begin to follow that. Then there arose some of what is called uh, the synagogue of the freedmen. And it goes into a lot of names, hard to pronounce. And from those, uh, Cecilia and Asia, disputing to Stephen. And verse 10 says, And when they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke, then they secretly induced men to say, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. Now, watch what's going to happen. This is our last point. It says, And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and brought him to the council. They also said a false witness who said this, This man does not cease to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place, change the customs which Moses delivered to us, and all who sat in the council looking steadfastly at him saw his face as the face of an angel. Now, this is supernatural stuff that's going on here. But this is the fourth thing that we'll face. And it's, this is tough. But we may be lied about. We may be lied about. Now, this, this, is, this is to help us. Again, you see this picture here. Uh, again, these people put in place, and when once they make the decision to say yes, you know everybody's not going to celebrate that. I mean, just be prepared for that. Matter of fact, the world's going to hate it. Uh, matter of fact, I'm gonna, and we're going to lump the world with anybody that doesn't know Jesus. So that could be your family. It's tough. It's, it's going to be tough. We have, we have people that come to this church, young people that come to this church, whose parents despise them coming here despise it. But they're telling me they're saying yes. And, and, and you may do this. Everybody not, may not break out the little poppers and balloons. Blood, 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 yeah, they said yes. They're gonna serve. They may do this. They may lie about you. And, and this is what happens here. We see this happen here. The, in the story, they said yes. They surrendered to his cause. They didn't get a standard ovation from the world. And, and again, they got persecution. They got lied about, and they, got, and they came against them. And then we see in, in verse 7, it's amazing. Stephen gets put in position of place, and now he has to do this. Now what will you say now that this has happened? And this is going to help somebody today. I love what Stephen does. For a long time, I, I used to do this when I got lied about. This will help you when you get lied about. And this is this series, the more you say yes to Jesus, the more people is going to re- not like that. I said that very pastoral right then. I said that. <laughs> Chose my words very carefully. That was very pastoral. <laughs> Thank you very much. You've you got to come to a place to where you don't try to fight that anymore. You will wear yourself out wear yourself out and you'll come to a place and and listen because here's here's what i've got i've come to he knows and i know as long as he knows and i'm knowing we're good we're good so and this is what satan loves it didn't even have to happen 
But if somehow they can get, get somebody to think that it did, you can do this. He can wear you out with it. He can mess you up. And, and, and here's the thing. You're spending your time, and I've done this, and I've done this. And ministry people have done things and said things and, and come against us and lied. There's things that happen. Man, I get ticked off. I want to do karate kid. I mean, just, and you spend so much time, and you come out there, and you get so frustrated. And then you look back. When you finally get to a place to where you get spiritual enough again to see the truth, said that. You said, man, I just wasted all that time. What could I have done during that time? Who could I have spoken truth to? What could I have done? And so he does this, and this is tough. And this is where we're going to see. Even though they lied about, the, about, lied about him and said these things, Stephen gets up. Dude, he brings it. I can just see Stephen going off, man. I mean, he is bringing it. I'm not, we're going to go through literally just through chapter 7. Just read this on your own time. He goes into and starts telling them. And again, these are religious people who know history and know religion and know these things. He starts telling them all of this stuff, and he starts saying all of these things to him. He's basically telling them this. Do you not see how many times God has tried to save you and get you to open your eyes? Yeah. And you keep rejecting him. That's what he's saying. He's saying, can you not understand this? Has history not shown you that time after time after time, God has shown up and he's done these incredible things, and yet you turn around and you reject him again? In the midst of the persecution, in the midst of the lies, everything saying, he didn't get up and try to defend himself. He got up and spoke truth to them. And this is one of those things where just, just literally this morning, just God showed me this and wrecked me with this. Pick up in verse 51 of uh, chapter 7, so you might have to turn a few pages. Look at what happens here. Stephen says this. He said, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. That brought the applause. That was a brought a cheering. Hankies were waving at that point. Somebody got on the organ and started playing the organ, man, right there. It was awesome. (laughs) You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, uh, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers. We have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. But when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth. There's a lot of significance in that. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. This is what happens. This is what takes place when we do this. And coach, great word to describe it. This is what happens when they lie about you and you still get up and speak truth. You get a perception and a revelation of Jesus that nobody else does. And so he says this and he sees this. And again, it just totally just messed with me this morning of what happens. And it's the same word here that we're getting ready to see the significance in, in this. He sees Jesus standing at the right hand of God. In verse 6, he says this, Look, I see the heavens opened, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. He tried to get them to see it, but they couldn't see it. Then they cried out with a loud voice, 
stopped their ears and ran at him. Listen to these two words. With one accord. God, what are you trying to say? With one accord. You know the story. They literally stoned him. He gave his life that day. But you know what he's saying? It is worth it. But you know what this ha- what happened here? With one accord. And this just, just like light bulbs. This is the same word in Acts chapter 2. It's the same word. That with one accord they came together. The sound of heaven is a rushing mighty wind. Tongues of fire came and set upon each of them. And God spoke to me and said this. With one accord, listen, you can either experience a move of God or with one accord you can try to stop a move of God. It, it, it may sound like, oh, you've passed, you're coming out in me, but I've got to say this. Be careful who you hang with. Be careful who you run with. Because, listen, you can't, you can't do, you can't hang out in both places. You can't get in one accord with both because, listen, either you'll do this, either with one accord you'll experience him or the one accord you'll miss him. I want to see him. If you want to see him, won't you stand with me? With one accord right now, can we just come together? Say, God, we want to see you. Man, we're, we're seeing God move in our hearts. We're seeing Him move in our church. And we're experiencing life change. It's because you're saying this. Because you're saying this. You're saying yes. You're saying, I want to step in. Huh. So right now, just, just right now, if you just want to say yes to Him, you want to step in, you say, God, I just want to step in all that you have. I want to be in one accord with a group of people who's going after you. With a group of people who's experiencing you. And God, I want to do this, Lord, in every way. Turn away from Turn away from anything that's holding me back from that. Oh, man. <laughs> Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. First thing you have to do is say yes to Jesus. So it's where it begins, where you're willing to say yes to Jesus. I want to be a disciple. I want to follow him. I'm not just talking about just, just praying just some simple little prayer. That's where we may begin there. The introduction may start there, but you want to say yes. 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 We're seeing it because people are saying yes to Jesus. So, Father, right now, speak to every heart. Just right now, right where you're standing, if you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus, this is your day. I'm not going to say this might be the day that you, no, this is your day. So if you, and there's, there's people here who haven't done that. Pastor, you're getting very, yes. He's put it on my heart. He's made it clear. I could put my hand on some of your shoulders right now. I'm not because you have to make the decision. But some of you need to say yes to Jesus today. I surrender. Some of you need to do this. Some of you have might have at some point at some place had this encounter with him, but you kind of pulled away from that, and he's wanting you to say yes again to that. I'm not trying to get you to question your salvation, but you've done this. You've rejected and you've pulled away from what God is wanting to pull you into. So today I want you to say yes to him. I want you to say yes. <laughs>